Statehood Day was observed here in Ohio earlier this month. In 1803, on March 1st, the legislature met for the first time, and Ohio became the 17th state. It had been called the Ohio Country. It was part of the Northwest Territory, a huge tract of land the U.S. won from the British in the Revolutionary War. And before that, this land was home to indigenous people who had been here for thousands of years. They stewarded the land, forests, prairies, streams, wetlands, all full of wildlife. The soil was good for farming and foraging. They had large settlements, trading posts, and elaborate ceremonial and burial grounds. But as more and more settlers came, they encroached on tribal lands. And within just 30 years, Native people were overwhelmed and forced out. What happened then still resonates today. Here is Nina Ellis to tell us about a new project from the Ackelberger Center for Community Voices. We're making a podcast about Ohio history and how it affects us today. The Buckeye State is now 220 years old, and you can still see reminders of Ohio's early days. My colleague Chris Welter and I, along with a team of producers, will help you see those signs and understand how and why Ohio was settled the way it was. Europeans arrived in the late 16 and 1700s. They were mostly British and French explorers, fur traders, and Christian missionaries. Then came the so-called frontiersmen, and eventually American settlers. Already living here, though, were thousands of indigenous people. Among them were the Shawnee and Miami, the Delaware, the Wyandotte, Ottawa, Potawatomi, Ojibwe, and Seneca Cayuga. Just before Ohio became a state, the U.S. government passed something called the Northwest Ordinance of 1787 to regulate the settlement of the Northwest Territory. And then another wave of people, this time a surging flood, came down the Ohio River and up from the south. People who wanted land and felt entitled to it. There was cooperation between the settlers and indigenous people of Ohio in those years before statehood. An exchange of ideas and technology, and lots of intermarriage. But over time, pressure from the new settlers for more land increased. And so the early years of statehood were full of conflict and death. U.S. leaders pressed for treaty after treaty, all with questionable motives, and the Ohio tribes were pushed onto reservations farther and farther north in the state. Then the U.S. government imposed forced removals. During the Ohio removals, Native people were mostly sent west of the Mississippi. Some walked in winter with children and elders and livestock. Communities were torn apart. People died. It's a grim chapter, painful, ugly, frightening, and you probably didn't learn about it in school. But the descendants of those indigenous people who were forced to leave their homelands in Ohio exist today. Many of their tribal governments are now based in Oklahoma and they have vibrant cultures and exciting futures. It's still pretty easy to find towns and counties, schools, rivers, and mascots in Ohio named after indigenous people and using indigenous words. But there are no federally recognized tribes in Ohio today. That fact doesn't tell the whole story though. Maybe you've noticed, as we have, that some citizens of recognized tribes, like the Shawnee in Miami, are here in Ohio in 2023, embracing their heritage, building relationships, and insisting that their story be told, 
It's the land here that informs the cultures, food traditions, and ceremonies of many historic Ohio tribes and communities. Here's Talon Silverhorn from the Eastern Shawnee Tribe of Oklahoma. He moved to Ohio recently to work for the Ohio Department of Natural Resources and to take part in a new conversation. So I think the best place to start with telling my story of the connection to this place would be an introduction of myself. So in Sawanwatuwewe, the Shawnee language, I would tell you, Hato, so I told you what tribe I was from, what country I was from. I told you where within that country I was born, uh, what clan I am. I told you uh, my own name. And then I told you my mother and her mother, my father and his father. And so all of that kind of put together gives you a complete picture of my own identity. For someone who keep for Shawnee people as a whole, our identity is very deeply tied to our connection to the land. There is a reconnection with recognized tribes happening all over Ohio. As we lay out this story in the coming months, we'll explain all this history in detail and share a bigger, more complete picture of Ohio's history and its present. With Chris Welter, I'm Nina Ellis. And Nina Ellis and Chris Welter are the co-producers of The Ohio Country, a new podcast series coming later this spring from the Eichelberger Center for Community Voices. This series is made possible in part by the National Endowment for the Humanities, a more perfect union initiative. Any views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of Ohio Humanities or the National Endowment for the Humanities.